a series. We're in a series on the Proverbs. We're going through the, studying the Proverbs of Jesus. The, the parables, Proverbs, huh? Brain back. The parables of Jesus. Thank you, Paul. It's, we're calling it secret stories. And a parable is, is a, a story that Jesus used to emphasize, to just bring home the point of his message. And the word says that a parable has two, two, uh, two meanings. One, a parable is to conceal something and reveal something. And let me explain what I mean. The word tells us that when Jesus was writing this, when he was speaking this to, the, uh, to his disciples, that the religious leaders of his time did have, had no time for Jesus. They, they, were, they knew the word. They knew the Torah. They knew the, five, the first five books of the Bible. They knew Proverbs and Psalms really well. They preached it in the synagogue. They told it anybody. They memorized it. They held it over people's head, but they had no time for Jesus. So the word says that for those who have no time for Jesus, when they read a parable, it conceals the truth. But for those who know Jesus, those who believe that Jesus died for us and that we would spend eternity for, with him, it says that he reveals the truth to us. So this morning, as we hear this word, I pray that the Lord would reveal, reveal something new just for you that he would touch you and speak to you by the power of his Holy Spirit in a way maybe you have never heard from God. So pray with me. Lord, we've come on this campus, Lord, not to hear from a speaker, but to hear from you. And Lord, as we read your word this morning, as we discuss your word and the power of your word and the beauty of your word, the intimacy of your word, Lord, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would touch us deeply, profoundly. Move us, Lord, let us move in. Let us move forward hearing your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name, and we all said, amen. amen. Well, we've entitled our message this morning called, How to Crash Proof Your Life. Anybody ever crash anything? Anybody ever crash their computer? How about a car? Yeah, that's the big one. Anybody ever crash their car? I mean, like really crazy crash. And you know, when we... When we see a crash, you know, it's one of those things, you just can't look away. You know, you're, you're stuck in this traffic, but you just, the reason we all slow down the freeway when there's a crash is because we, we, we don't want to look, but we can't take our eyes off it. It's the craziest thing. You know, anybody here into auto racing? It's not gigantically popular in Hawaii, but anybody that watches auto racing, I happen to have a friend who comes to my house and stays, he lives in Canada, he comes to my house every year, he stays for a month trying to get out of the snow in Canada, he comes to Hawaii, and he is crazy about auto racing. He'll sit there on a Sunday morning, just watch auto racing all day. I go, why do you watch this stuff, Dale? He goes, I love the crashes. <laughs> really? You watch somebody going around for three hours to watch crashes? <laughs> Unreal. Sometimes, though, we actually, we watch people. We can even crash our lives, like this guy. Anybody know who that is? One, I'm a golfer, and if you're not into sports or not into golf, don't turn me off, because it has zero to do with that. This is one of the most, in fact, 20 years ago, 
He was the second most recognized, third, I'm sorry, third most recognizable people, person on the planet, his face. Above him, the Pope and Michael Jackson. He also is the richest athlete. He made a billion dollars playing, uh, playing golf and the endorsements. You'd have to admit, this guy had a life that even my son wanted to envy. Many young golfers today grew up idolizing this man. And from the outside, everything looked amazing. Had the model wife, the amazing, amazing house, unbelievable reputation. In fact, most people would say he was such a man of integrity. My mom, who couldn't, she had no idea what golf was, used to call me up, Robert, is Tiger playing this weekend? I want to watch him. So many people were drawn to watch this man play golf who couldn't have cared less about golf because they thought the man was a man of integrity. Well, look what happened to his life. His life crashed right before our very eyes, and it still crashes today because I am a golfer, and to be, to be honest with you, I'm probably a better golfer than he is today because he is... His, his game gone, gone downhill. The speaker who will be on this, can, on this stage next week, Scott Williams, who I met with on Thursday, he, he heard I was a golfer. And he goes, hey, Rob, so what's the deal with Tiger Woods anyhow? You think he'll ever play again? And I go, nope, he'll never win again. Why? He can sw fix a swing. I go, it's not about fixing a swing. He's got to fix his head. And until he finds Jesus, he will never, ever be the man God called him to be. He declared when he went, I don't know why I'm spending so much time on Tiger Woods, I'm sorry. But he declared in a news conference, he said, I'm going to get back to my Buddhist roots. Did anybody remember that? And he was going to wear a little bracelet. Trust me, his Buddhist roots will not allow him to find peace in his life. Only Jesus only Jesus as your sure, found, firm rock, your foundation, will you allow you to have peace in your life. 32 years ago, I've been married for 37 years. 32 years ago, my wife and I drove our marriage directly into a wall. We crashed our marriage big time. We allowed ourselves to just go our own way, do our own thing. We've got completely took each other for granted, weren't paying attention, had no foundation in our life. We did things our way when we wanted to do it. And oh yeah, we were married. How many know that that doesn't work out? And we crashed that marriage. And then we came to Jesus. And we found that the foundation of life that we were looking for and that we needed to make sure that we had a great marriage, we found in Jesus. Are you hearing me? Many of you, many of you in this room are looking at right now, possibly crashed your life and then you came to know Jesus maybe right now you're in the middle of a crash you feel like uh oh my life is spinning out of control and I want you to know God's a God of new, new beginnings and fresh starts he cares deeply the word says in in Jeremiah 29 11, and I know most of you know this word it's Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites who are in captivity 
in Babylon. And in fact, in verse 10, it says, you're going to be there for another 70 years, so I don't want you to lose hope. And Jeremiah 29, 11 said, Jeremiah talked talk to the Israelites, and he said this, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You see, what God's saying is he knows our destiny. He knows what it looks like, and he knows what it can be. All we need to do, though, is to latch on to him, grab on as tight as we can, and not let him go. It says in Hebrews, throw off anything that weights you down, anything that holds you back, especially the sin that so easily traps us and holds us back. I want you to know today, Lord, uh, guys, that the Lord would want to say to you as we read this word, if you want to crash-proof your life, you've got to hold on to Jesus for dear life. So as you uh, open your Bibles this morning, I'd love you to open up the, your Bibles to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Open up your Bible, turn on your phone, your pad, get to Matthew, the seventh chapter. And as we get there this morning, we are at the close of the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to know, if, if, if the Bible is fairly new to you and you're just trying to understand it and read it, I would love you, I would encourage you, I would challenge you this week to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I, did, I would challenge you to read it every day. Because the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous sermon or teaching that Jesus ever did. Because in that sermon, Jesus describes his expectation for his followers. He spells it out clearly. And he spells it out not because he wants to point at us, but that we would find fulfillment and success and that we would thrive in life. He talks in the Sermon on the Mount about the attitudes that his followers should have, how to deal with anger and money and marriage, how to not take revenge on your enemies, but to love your neighbors. In there, and it says the golden rule. Of course, most of us know that. It says do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. It talks us about how to pray in Matthew, the sixth chapter, it says, it describes the Lord's Prayer and how to pray. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the foundational readings of the Scripture you'll ever want to read. But when we get to it, get to the end, he tells us this parable of the two builders. Now, when anyone puts together a message who preaches, they want their beginning and their end to have some punch. They want you to be able to remember the message. And Jesus was no different. So when he was preaching this message, he comes to the end of chapter 7 and verse 24, and he gives us this parable. Read it with me. Let me get it out here. It says this, verse, seven, uh, verse 24 in chapter 7, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rains come in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the wind beats against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. It was built, they went deep down to find the solid, solid place to build that foundation. Anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it is foolish, like a person who builds his house on sand. And when the rain and floods come, and the wind beats against that house, it'll, it'll collapse into a mighty crash. And that word crash in the original language, it talks about defeat. 
ultimately defeat. It says that if you build your life on sand, on your own terms, chances are you're not going to find peace. You're not going to find fulfillment. And when the storms of life comes, and they will, the chances of you being defeated and crushing are probably likely. How many people do we know that their life crashes and the storm hit them so hard and they crashed and they never, ever overcame that storm? They've never overcame it. I bet we know people like that. But the word was going to tell us this morning that when we latch on to Jesus as our foundation, we will be able to get through the storms and not only get through them, but thrive through them. It says this in Luke. Luke says this, that at the close of, of, the, of the Sermon on the Mount that Luke describes, he writes it this way, the same parable. It says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? And the word Lord, the word Lord means master. It is the highest form of identity that Jesus has. Because it, it really gives us a picture into how he sees himself and how he sees us. When he says the word Lord, he's really saying, I'm the master. And my followers are my servants. And a master, if you keep calling me master, master, you actually need to follow what I'm asking you to do. But he's saying, when you, why do you call, keep calling me Lord, Lord, I sh and you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teachings, and then follows it. It's like a person who builds a house who digs deep to lay a foundation on solid rock. When the flood waters rise and breaks against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds his house without a foundation. When the flood sweeps down against that house, it'll collapse in a mighty heap. You see, both men, or both people, not men, both people built a house. And of course, the house is describing a life. It's describing a life. And of course, the foundation is Jesus. And it says that anyone who hears and obeys builds his house on a strong foundation. Here's the deal. A foundation, you can't see it. It's an amazing thing about a foundation. But if you don't build it properly, if you don't dig deep down to get to the, to the bedrock, to the solid ground, it has a chance to collapse. I built a house in Kailua 21 years ago. And if you, anybody knows anything about Kailua, the first 10 feet is what? Sand. It's the easiest thing. You can dig sands. I mean, you can dig that foundation. So you can dig it with a shovel. It's that easy. But you got to keep digging, digging, digging deep down to hit the bedrock. And that's what I had to do. In fact, I had to get a backhoe to go down so deep so that I could build it because I built a two-story house. I needed to make that thing strong. You're sitting in a room right now. We poured this foundation about 16 years ago. I can't tell you how much rebar and concrete you're sitting on right now. 
Those contractors made sure that because of, the, of where we were on this hill and the, and the way the wind blew against off the, off the sea and, or down through the mountain, that this tent, even though it's a tent made of aluminum and membrane structure, it is on solid. This, this foundation is not going to crack or move in any way. But those, he says, those who built their house on sand. What is sand? It's those who decided, you know what? I'm going to build my life on my own worldview, my own philosophy of life, my own accomplishments, my own way of doing things. I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I can do it my own way, on my own time, any way I want to do it. And the word says right now, we're reading it right now, it says that if you build on that, when the storms come, it's going to collapse. So my first point this morning, I want you to ask yourself here is, how's my house? I want to suggest that maybe we take, get a house inspection. Inspect your house. Take a good look at it. I don't know if you've ever bought a house recently, if you do. A friend of mine who was a contractor for many years said, I'm done pounding nails, but I'm going to be a house inspector. So he's a dear friend of mine. And when you hire him, you know, a person is selling a house. They do their, they paint the outside. They get the thing really nice. They got the plants and they want you to come up there and go, wow, I got to be in this house. This is awesome. They cleaned the vinyl siding. They painted the thing up. They got rid of the cracks. That thing looks great. Are you with me? But you hire my friend Dean. He comes in and I want you to know he comes in looking for where the problem is. He wants to find out if that foundation has any cracks, if that plumbing has any issues, if the electrical is up to par, if there's any termites or rot down, you get Dean to come in, I promise you, he's going to find it if there's something wrong. And the word says this in Psalm 139, one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible is Psalm 139. Highly recommend you read it. But at the end, in, 20, in verse 23 and 24, it says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that would offend you and lead me to a life of everlasting life. One of the hardest things it is for us to do is sit back and really look at ourselves and say, how am I doing? If I ask you right now to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being so close to Jesus, there's no absolute gap. And one being, I need, zero being, I'm as far away as I could possibly be. Where would you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 right now in your relationship with Jesus? It's important to ask those questions. It's important to look inside your life and to make sure that Jesus is so close. Ask, think, think about this. What do I think about the most? What drives me? What is the most important thing in my life? That answer should be Jesus. What is my kryptonite? Where does the enemy have control of me? That's so hard for me to resist. That, that's an important question. Where, what is your kryptonite? 
Because the Lord would say, I want you to be a man of character, a woman of character. I want you to be able, when the storms come, and they will, some of them are going to be category fives. When they come, he wants to say, I want you to be able to stand firm and strong without any hesitation. He wants you to have strong integrity. A friend of mine, Glenn, had to go to Atlanta, Georgia, to, a, to, a, uh, to meetings. He was in a training situation. He had to go there for meetings. So he goes to Atlanta. He gets into the hotel really late at night, and he's kind of hungry. So he decides that he's going to walk across. There's a, there happened to have been a 24-hour uh, restaurant right across the street. So he goes into the restaurant. He sits down to eat lunch and eat dinner, and he says that two of the most beautiful women that he had ever seen in his life sat down in that booth with him. He was stunned. He didn't know what to say. And they did all the talking. And of course, what do you think they were trying to do? They were trying to get him to go back with them to his hotel room. And he says they put on a full court press. Glenn's married, has children. He says they were, they were as dressed to, to as alluring as you could be. His heart was racing. And then one of the girls said this. She goes, no one will ever know. No one will ever know. They must have said that three or four times. And finally, Glenn said, something hit me right then. And he goes, oh, yes, they will. You know who will know? My God will know. And I will know. I will know. And they kept, they turned up the heat, and so did he. And he goes, I'm sorry. I would never ever do anything like this to offend my God. By the way, the real you always shows up when there's no one around. So he got up. He goes, you know what? I'll buy you dinner, but I'm not going to sit with you. I am out of here. And the girls stand up and he goes, shows them their badge. They are both Atlanta Police Department on a sting and said, you're the first man tonight who said no to us. The storm of temptation is one of those storms that come our way. Come our way. Men are very visual people. But the Lord says, by the way, in Atlanta, well, this is right outside, I guess, right outside Atlanta. In that county in Atlanta, he told me, that you actually get your picture put on the internet when you get arrested. How's that? Woo! Just think of that implications. I'm just saying. Okay. But you know what? The enemy could have taken that person or possibly somebody in this room down a path that the last thing you'd want to go, the last thing you'd ever dream of doing could cost you. But the Lord said, if you if you latch onto me, if you hold me tight, if you hear my word, and if you obey my word, if you do what I say, I promise you'll have a life beyond your wildest imagination, and more importantly than anything else, you will have peace in the storms. Are you hearing me? Yes. Got to have a home inspection, because I want you to know the storms will come, and you got to be prepared for things, prepared for the storms you got to prepare for the storms. Storms come in many different varieties. Some storms generated, are generating your life that come out of the blue, having no idea where did that come from. Many times, I mean, I read the, the, uh, pray, the prayer request. K 
cancer is an issue. Our health is the most important thing to us. Would you not agree? Just this week, my, one of my closest friends, the, somebody I golf with and have golfed with for 25 years, every Friday, his wife had a tumor and it was cancerous. Rocked their world. Sometimes our storms are generated. We don't even know where they came from. Just come out of the blue. Just rock our world, a category five. Oh, my gosh. I remember back in 1996, true story. I used to golf with a guy named Scott Whipple. Some of you know Scott was a member of this church and moved to, to Florida. He was one of those guys that when he went golfing, he had a hat on, long sleeves, long pants, white face. He was covered with sunblock. And I would rip him, crazy rip him. <laughs> One day I was working on his house and he, uh, I was on his roof helping him roof many years ago and he, and he goes, oh Rob, you got a freckle. I, you got to get that freckle fit, uh, taken care of. That, that could be cancerous. And I looked at him, I'm, I got blue eyes. I'm white as can be. When the sun hits me, I freckle. I got lots of them. How did you pick that little guy? And he actually made the appointment for me. <laughs> true, true. And he called me that morning and goes, hey, it's going to cost me 50 bucks if you don't show up. You got to show up. Uh, and I was, by the way, before that phone call, I had no intention of going. Not one intention. I was not going. I go. He calls, the doctor calls me back the next day and he goes, you better get your rear end in here. We got to talk. One of those closed the door. Hey, I don't know how bad this is, but it, you might want to get your affairs in order. You have melanoma. Oh, wow. Holy Toledo. Talk about rocking your world. The Lord's grace in my life was cut by being able to point that out at me. But I want you to know that news rocked me. Storms come out of the blue. Sometimes those storms are self-inflicted. Our choices are wrong. We do the wrong thing. We succumb to things and we say things, we do things that cause a storm in our life that just is rages around us. Some of them are other people. Some other people come in and, you know, cause all kinds of storms in our life. They speak against us. They gossip about us. They talk poorly about us, but they rock us. Some, I want, to, I want you to know too, that, Jesus, that God doesn't cause the storms, but sometimes he allows the storms because he knows we can handle it, but he wants to show us that we can. He wants to show us how strong we really are. So sometimes, look at, remember Job? I mean, oh my gosh, the word says he, he had amazing family, he had cattle on every hill, he had land everywhere. And then it said, Satan said, hey, the reason, the only reason he, uh, he loves you, Lord, uh, Lord, is because you've made him so prosperous. And remember Satan said, he goes, hey, test him. Just don't take his life, but test him. And remember what Job said? After everything was taken away from him, he says, you know what? God gave it to me, he took it away, but I will never stop praising the Lord. Can I just say too, that this is where connect groups or people in your life are so important. So important. I meet on, I've met every Wednesday for forever with two other men in my life, and I also have a connect group. And those two situations keep me grounded. 
They're al- they're allow- I'm allowed to say, this is what I'm feeling, and this is how I'm feeling. And these are the storms. Come pray with me. Have my back on this. Help me get through this. I want to say, church, I hope you have people in your life because the storms are coming, and some are going to be super intense. And if you have no one in your life that would ground you and root you in the word and help you go through those storms and pray and have your back, I promise you the storms might overcome you and overtake you. Are you with me on that? It says this, John tells us this, he's talking to his disciples because Jesus is going to go to heaven. And he knew he was going to leave his disciples and he knew the persecution was coming against his disciples. And he knew it was going to be issues that they had to face. And he said, Jesus tells them this in John 16, I told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here in this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. It says this when, I'm, I'm reminded of what it says in James too. It says when, when troubles come, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come of all kinds in many different ways, consider an opportunity of great joy, Jesus says. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance will grow. So let it grow. So when your, your endurance is fully developed, you'll be made complete and perfect. In other words, whatever comes at you, once you have that inviting faith, that anchor of faith, no matter what comes at you, no matter how bad the news, no matter how bad the storm, God said, you'll know God has your back. God has your back. When, I, when my buddy, my golfer, Earl, his wife, Patty, has cancer, their faith is so strong. I mean, I... I don't know any more devastating news than that to anyone. But when you, when you go through that, but their faith is strong. And the Lord, the Lord would say to us this morning, stay strong. And lastly, I want to talk about this. How do you crash-proof your life? Easy. The word says clearly that you can't not only have to be a hearer of the word, you have to be a doer. The word said in Luke, dig deep, dig deep deep down. And I want you to know, the word says that when you dig deep down in the word, when you read the word, we're talking about reading the word right now. When you really dig, if you're just trying to get through a, oh, I got to get my chapter done today, or I got to get this done. The word's telling us, dig deep. Let it take roots. Let it, let it grow deep down into your core of your being when you read the word. Read the word to hear from God, not necessarily to know, you know, education is important, but know, when you're reading the word, get to know Jesus. It's so important that he knows your voice and you know his. So important. When you read the word, read to really be inspired and really read it to hear from God. And then when you hear it, most importantly, that you do it that it changes the very person that you are, the core of who you are, that when people see you, you know. You, they know when they see you, they see Jesus. Let me tell you another story. I went to Chicago five years ago. I went to Chicago to a pastor's convention about ministry and how to best connect people to church and all that goes with that. So I go to Chicago, and some of our students were going to school in Chicago, so I call them up, hey, I'm coming to town, let's go to dinner. 
Where do you want? Just pick a great restaurant. And I want you to know, if you've ever been to Chicago, there's some amazing restaurants in Chicago. And I told them, I'll pay. Just pick the place. Pick your favorite place. I'll take you. I'm thinking they're going to go deep, right? So they say, take us to Golden Corral, Rob. <laughs> the heck's a Golden Corral? I'm thinking Lowry's. I'm thinking, you know, some really amazing restaurants. I'm thinking the Weber Grill. You ever been to Chicago, the Weber Grill? Just saying, great restaurant. They wanted to go to Golden Crowd. Now, if you don't know Golden Crowd, think zippies on steroids with a buffet. <laughs> Gigantic restaurant. So I go there, and we're sitting talking, and the place is just packed. And they have, they're known for big tables of people. You know, the whole softball team's having dinner there. You know, well, there's a table next to us, a you know, big family. They're all dressed up, middle-aged folks, and they're right in the next table, and and we're here, and the, and the waitress, a young girl, got to be a, a high school student, she was carrying this tray of a, just a, you know, maybe 20 soft drinks on a tray, carrying it out. And I'm thinking, and I literally thought this instantly. I go, wow, that's, that's talent right there. The busboy was cleaning the table right next to it, and he whips around with his tray and knocks, her down, knocks the tray off her hand and onto this table right next to us was such a commotion. I mean, I mean, you can tell. I mean, the, it was loud. And instantly, and this is important to understand, instantly, one of the guys at that table went off on her. I mean, off. You, uh, you know, just terrible things. And then the wife says, that ain't good enough. I'm getting engaged here. And she, too, insulted her terribly. And I'm thinking, whoa. So we kind of got up and a bunch of people were helping her with the cups up and try to get this thing taken care of. She was our waitress, plus me. We encouraged her. We tipped her dearly that night, dearly. So I go to the conference the next day, and they're introducing this MCs that are going to come out and, and be the MC for the whole conference. And they're, this guy's done this, and she's done that. They walk out on the stage. Guess who it was? Those people. You're a pastor, you're a, hear, you're a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer of the word. You took that poor girl's head off because she made a, you know, something happen, an accident in her life. I, I had to get up. I, get up, I got up and I walked out in the lobby and I was just shaken by how someone could be considered a ministry leader, a person of the word, and not be able to be a doer of the word. When the storm hit that man, he decided to go for her throat instead of being a blessing. Are you hearing me today? Be a hear, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer. When it says, don't get angry, what does it say? Don't get angry. If you have an issue with that, take care of that. Can I just say really quickly as I'm really going long? You know how to crash proof? You know, storms come against your marriage. Sometimes they come pretty intensely. Can I give you two things that I've learned? I've done a lot of stupid things, but I've done a couple things that in my marriage that I, I would definitely encourage you to do because the storms will come. And when the storms comes, this is your go-to. First thing, make sure you know and pray with your spouse. By the way, it's not easy to do. You know why it's not easy? Because the enemy knows the power in that prayer. And he is going to rationalize in your mind how you don't have time, I don't pray good enough, I, uh, anything you 
the enemy could possibly put in your mind to stop you, prevent you from praying with your spouse. But I want you to know it's something that I have done. And rarely do I ever leave the house without doing it. So it went from, do I have to do it? To now, I just go look for my wife or my wife will look for me because we know that we need God's provision, direction in our lives as we start the day. Are you hearing me on that? It doesn't have to be a long prayer. I'm talking some of the times we'll pray for one minute. I'll say, for example, I would say, Lord, please, Lord, in Jesus' name, guide us and protect us today. Protect our family, our kids, their spouses, our grandkids, Lord. Protect us, Lord. Put your angels around us. Don't let us do anything that would offend you today. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife would pray and we would be, at one minute, we're done. All we're doing is finding God's covering in our life. One time we, were, we, were, we, we lived in uh, Temple Valley at one time in a Kalasak of homes. There was maybe six, eight homes all on one little driveway. And my wife and I were going for it. We were screaming at one another. I mean, you know, we, you know, anybody married for a length of time? Every once in a while, you just take the gloves off and you let it rip. <laughs> anybody hearing me on that? Feeling me on that? That was that occasion. I actually was outside doing my yelling. So not only did my wife hear it, everybody heard it. And my wife goes, grabs my hand, says, we're going to pray right now. I don't want to pray. And she started praying. She started praying right then. And you know what? And I'm not exaggerating. In 10 seconds, we were both laughing. Because we realized right then we were under a spiritual attack so amazing, so mighty, so powerful that the only way we could have got ourselves out of it was to pray. But we learned then the power of prayer. We didn't even know why we were arguing. But sometimes the enemy just gets in there and just kind of wants to grab you guys because the word says he's not here to, to make your life good. He's here to kill, steal, and destroy. you hearing me on that? The other next thing I want to tell you is um, I know I'm running out of time. The worship team can come back up. Couch time. Very important. I call it couch time. You can call it anything you want. Get two chairs, face each other. No screens. Absolutely no screens, no kids. Tell them to go watch their screens. You need, you need 15 minutes. You stare at each other. You look at each other. You have your favorite beverage, and you just talk. We're on screens, we're on TV, we're racing through life. We lose track of who we are as a couple. If that seems awkward to you, Google this today. Great questions to ask your spouse because you can go online and yank it down, print it out because there's some great questions. Just ask questions, you know, just, and you'll really go deeper. I had a couple I was counseling do this and he was married for 20 years. He goes, I learned more about my wife in the last week than I did in 20 years of marriage because I took the time to actually talk to her. Here's the key to couch time. Eyeball to eyeball. You're facing each other, so you have to look in each other's eyes. This is not a time to cure all the issues in your marriage or all the problems. This is a time just to hang out. And lastly, when the, fam when the, when the storms come against your, mar uh, your family, that's why many years ago we started to do fa uh, fam uh, family night. So important. We did family night so we could get to know and our kids would come to us if we knew there was an issue. We got so familiar with it. So I would definitely urge you to do family night. Lastly, let me finish with this. Sometimes the storms of life come so heavy 
Category 5, earth-shaking, 8-point on the Richter scale of life. It happened here in this church. My dear friends, Mike and Stephanie Clute. Could you put their picture up? Three years ago, they lost their daughter. She was 20, I believe 20 years old. Suddenly, they lost their daughter. And most times, a lot of times, when you lose a child, it disintegrates the family. The pain was so heavy, but they never took their eyes off Jesus. You're looking at two of the kindest, gentlest people you will ever know. They are our time setters. Those, those are nearing or in retirement. They're their pastors in this church. Do they still have a scar? Do they still have a scab? Yes. It's not an open wound. But they've never took their eyes, their hearts off Jesus. They never allowed their doubt to get in and take them away. Why would God do that to me? I don't need God anymore. They didn't do that. They actually ran to his feet. I would encourage you, no matter where the storms are, no, no matter where the storms are, don't let your hands leave Jesus' hands. Pray with me this morning. Lord, all of us, all of us have storms. They come out of the blue. They come at the least expected time. But Lord, your word clearly says that they will come. And so I pray for everyone in this congregation, in this room this morning, Lord, that you would embrace us, that you would throw your arms around us right now, Lord, that we would tangibly feel your embrace by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would move mightily in our lives this morning, Lord. Some of us in this room, Lord, are in the middle of a storm. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, if there's a health storm in their life, Lord, your word says to pray and you'll heal. And I pray in Jesus' name, you would touch them and heal them right now. Touch them, Lord, mightily, miraculously. If they're in a financial storm of their life, Lord, I pray that you would meet those financial needs. If, an, if a temptation has overwhelmed them, Lord, come, come against them, Lord, or their marriage or their friendship or their family in any way, Lord, I pray that you would release the enemy's hold on those people and allow them to be released from that storm in Jesus' name. And Lord, if anybody in this room, he has come in this room this morning, has no idea who you are, Lord, they don't even know that you can be their strong rock and foundation. Lord, I pray for them right now that you would come into their hearts in Jesus' name and touch them right now. That you would forgive them their sins. That you would forgive them, Lord, this morning. That you would meet them. That you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would touch them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you.